The Radio Memories Network is brought to you in part by Liberated Syndication. Podcast publishing made easy. Libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Thrillers, thrilling mystery, espionage, and political intrigue? Step into the world of action and psychological twist. Join us as we go back to the early days of radio and our imaginations with our featured thriller presentation. The Three Hostages Dramatized by Bert Coolz From the novel by John Buchan Episode 1 Battle of Luce. Decorated, promoted brigadier. Seconded to British intelligence for special operations in Germany. Returned to active service. Knighted 1919. Retired from the army. Married Mary Lamington. Ah, the lovely Mary. <laughs> One son, Peter John, age 15 months. Current rank, general. Current occupation, Gentleman Farmer. Come on, Slowcoach! Slowcoach? Slowcoach indeed. (laughs) I'll race you back to the house. Let me see who's the Slowcoach. No. Hang on a minute. I just want to look at the view. You really are the proper rustic squire, aren't you? And why shouldn't I be? No reason at all. Oh, it is a blessed country. Yes. I never dreamed of such peace. Cold? No, it's not that. It's just... What? Sometimes I'm afraid. Afraid? You've never been afraid of anything. No. No, you're wrong. Mary, what's the matter? I'm afraid that it's all too good. Too beloved. Too beloved to last. That evening, the evening when it all began, I was feeling particularly happy and contented. The season was absurdly early, for the blackthorn was in flower, the hedge roots were full of primroses, the partridges were paired, and the rooks were well on with their nests. It was a jolly thing to see the world coming to life again, and to know that this patch of England was my own. His own domain, his own family, a peaceful life and good friendship. What more could a man desire? 
But I tell you this, in all my travels, the, the one region I most want to go back to is Central Asia. I mean, all those places with names like spells. Bukhara, Samarkand. Mm. Sim Sala Bim. <laughs> I thought you settled here for the quiet life, Tom. Well, if I did, I'm not sure I found it. I know full well you didn't. Oh? You are the busiest man I know. And the hardest to pin down for a dinner invitation. Oh, perils of the job, I suppose. Think yourself lucky you're not a doctor's wife. Are the locals really so unhealthy, Tom? I do have other strings to my bow, you know. Oh, the mysterious Dr. Greenslow. Uh, <laughs> you could be a character in one of Dick's novels. Oh, good Lord, you're not writing books now, Hannay. Oh, wouldn't know how. He reads them. Then he leaves them lying all over the house for me to clear up. Saxe Roma, Ryder Haggard, Conan Doyle, you name it. Shockers, detective stories. Hannay, I'm surprised. Why? Well, I can read most things, but I wouldn't waste my time with stuff like that. I mean, you could invent better ones for yourself. Oh, no, I couldn't. I'm in the middle of one now. Detective mystery, dashed ingenious. I can't think how the fellow does it. Simple. He writes it backwards. What do you mean, backwards? Well, he fixes on two or three things with no obvious connection. For example? Well, um, let me see. All right. An old blind woman spinning in the Western Highlands. <laughs> a, um... Uh, a crop barn in a Norwegian farm and a little old curiosity shop in North London kept by a Jew with a dyed beard. <laughs> All right. I grant you there's no connection. Then what? Then he just invents one. It can be as outlandish as you like. It's simple enough to do. And he weaves all three into the yarn one at a time. Eventually, all the links fall into place like magic. And poor old Dick sits back satisfied and says, now that was damnably clever. Exactly. Well, thanks very much. You've gone and taken the guilt off my favourite reading. Well, don't expect me to apologise. Do you really object to them so much? Oh, they're not real. Well, of course they're not. I like my fiction to reflect life. Oh, your detective stories might have done that once. I mean, 20 years ago, maybe, and people behaved fairly logically. But nobody thinks that way anymore. It's all down to the war, of course. Oh, come on, Tom. I mean it. I hardly meet a soul who hasn't some kink or other in his brain as a result of the last few years. You two are just about the only completely sane people I know. Some more eggs. Yeah. Dick? Hmm? Oh, yes, please. Sorry, miles away. Bye. There's an odour about a country house which I love better than any scent in the world. Wood smoke, tobacco, the old walls, and wafts of the country coming in at the windows. I like it best in the morning, when there are all the smells of breakfast to add to it. Come in, Jenny. It's the letters, ma'am. Here, I'll have them. Sir? Please tell Nanny that Peter John will be ready for her in about 15 minutes. Ma'am. Anything interesting? Bills, most of them. Then eat your breakfast while it's hot. What's the matter? It's from Walter Bullivant. And? He's coming here this afternoon. Dick! Mary! 
Sir Walter. Oh, please, please, no formality. Besides, it's Lord Artenswell now, or soon will be. Congratulations. Ah, the whole thing's a load of nonsense, if you ask me. Be useful in restaurants, mind you. How's the sun? Fighting fit. Excellent. You'll be in school before you know it. Then you can come back and work for me again, huh? Oh, no. Those days are over. For both of us. Ah, so you can still speak then, Dick. I can still speak. Mm, and you've plenty to say, no doubt. Well, so have I. Shall we go inside? Sir Walter Bullivant, head of the Secret Service. In the 39 Steps business, just before the war, I'd been more glad to see him than anyone else in my entire life. But that was in a different time, and a different world. <clears throat> I like this room. So you should. I patterned it after yours. Oh, I'm flattered. Sit down, Dick. Yes, that's better. Now, I have to leave at 3.30, so I have little more than an hour to tell you why I'm here. It's not worth your starting. Because the answer's no. I'm not taking on any business, whatever it is. I'm having a rest, and in the summer we're all going up to Scotland. Oh, the job will be over long before the 20th of August. You'll still be able to go deer hunting in Macrae. Have you been spying on me? I suppose you do some fishing while you're up there. Hmm? Good, honest pastime. Huh? A little touch of sanity in a world gone mad. Please, not you too. Huh? What do you mean? Ah, someone else has been telling you the truth of the times, has he? My doctor. Good, good. That'll make this an easier tale to tell. Walter. Now, hear me out, Dick. Unless you've lost your taste for a good yarn, that is. A good yarn? Hmm. You won't have heard its like. I can promise you. Well? I'm committing myself to nothing. Just hear me out. That's all I ask. It's all right. I'm listening. Yes, good man, good man, right. <clears throat> now, as I say, the world's gone insane, and that means a huge increase in crime and criminality, and of a particularly depraved variety. Well, surely criminals are depraved by definition. No, 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 not like this. The people I'm talking about have absolutely no sense of the old sanctities. They're cruel, humorless, and totally lacking in any sense of proportion. That's quite a thought. Yes, they're a hideous, untamable breed, and they don't believe in anything but themselves. They're moral imbeciles, but the worst of them are their leaders. Their leaders? But you're saying that there are organized bands of these people? Exactly, and operating on a global scale. Walter, that's preposterous. It's like something out of a novel. I can prove every single word of what I'm saying. What exactly do these people do? They're wreckers, merchants of pessimism. Oh, for goodness sake, Walter, give me facts, not poetry. There's absolutely no poetry about it. Their leader's aim is quite simply to make money. Think of what they do as profiteering. Well, there's nothing too unusual about that, especially just at the moment. No, this is, this is very different. These people have toppled industries destroyed governments, even ruined entire countries so there was money to be made. There's one particular group, the worst of them by a long way, that we've been casting our nets around for a long time. And soon we'll be gathering them in. All but one. The leader. Well, why can't you net him along with all the others? Because we don't know who he is. This man operates in total secrecy. He could be anyone, anywhere. Pick up some of his underlings and get his name from them. We've tried. Very quietly, very discreetly. And? We've learnt that only a tiny handful of the top men have access to him. And we're pretty sure that none of them know his real name. They might not even have seen his face. Moriarty. What? Nothing, sorry. Look, Walter, you must know something about this man. I've seen what your department can do. Well, we know he's educated and intelligent. There's reason to believe he's well-travelled. And that, I assure you, is it. 
Surely to God you can't be asking me to ferret him out for you. No, no, no. That's not the job I had in mind. Well, what then? I'll come to that. As I said, the nets are tightening, and we've been cautious. They've not the slightest inkling that we're so close. Then what's the problem? They've guarded themselves. They've taken hostages. Listen to my voice. Listen only to my voice. For you, nothing else exists. Nothing else has ever existed. Listen to my voice. You will do exactly as I command. Three hostages. A young woman, an Oxford student, and a small child. A child? Perhaps that will convince you. These people totally discard the idea of right and wrong. Who is this child? A boy, about ten years old. You know Sir Arthur Warcliffe from the army, of course. Yes, of course. Well, they have David, his only son. The devil they do. The other two hostages are Adela Victor, the American millionaire's daughter, and Lord Mercot. Yes, I've met him at our local steeplechase. Heir to the old Duke of Orcester. Hmm, said to be one of the most important statesmen in the realm. Oh, they've picked their bag carefully. But surely when you swoop on the gang, you'll gather in the kidnapped victims at the same time. Uh, Dick, I told you, you mustn't judge these people by any of the normal civilised standards. They'll kill the hostages in cold blood without a second of thought and then swing with a lighter mind for having done it. My God. Yes, 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 it's terrifying. The world we knew was gone forever, I'm afraid. Wait, wait a minute. What? You've got these three missing people. Yes. But how can you be sure that your criminal gang's to blame? How do you even know that the cases are connected? Uh, the last of the three to disappear was young David Warcliffe. Two days later, his father received this. And Julius Victor and the Duke of Alcester had copies by the same post. But some sort of ransom demand? Well, no, not exactly. <clears throat> Seek... Were under midnight sun, laggard crops are hardly won. Where the sower casts his seed in, furrows of the fields of Eden. Where beside the sacred tree spins the seer who cannot see. What the devil's that supposed to mean? It means that whoever's behind this whole affair is so damn short of himself that he sends clues out to his adversaries. How do you know this comes from him? We've had similar messages in the past. They've always turned out to be clues from this same gang. Oh, it's him, all right. He's laughing at us. At me. He's like no criminal I've ever known. Walter, what exactly did you come here to ask me? We strike at the gang in June. It's a massive operation. The Americans are in it with us and some others too, so the date's final. By midsummer, we must stretch out our hand. So by midsummer, the three hostages will be doomed? Unless we can find them first. That's the job I want you to take on, Dick. So, are you going to help us?
Vicar's water gone. He said he'd say goodbye. I wanted him to see Peter John. Dick, whatever's happened? I'm going for a walk. After an hour or so of wondering if I'd done the right thing, I finally reckoned that I had. I decided that Mary didn't need to learn the details. I knew how deeply she would have been affected by the plight of the little boy. At least I could spare her that. With my mind settled, and the sounds and smells of the Cotswold soothing my brain, I came back to the house with a fine appetite for my tea. Dick, there's someone to see you. Good evening, Sir Richard. I scarcely knew him. He looked so old and wearied. It was Sir Arthur Warcliffe, the father of the kidnapped boy. And from the look on Mary's face, he'd been telling her the whole story. Sir Arthur. General Hanny. Sir Arthur, I know what's happened. I can guess why you're here. Lady Hanny told me you'd had a visit from Walter Bullivant. I didn't know he was planning to see you himself. And God knows I understand how you must be feeling, what you must be going through. But look, I'm sorry. Dick? Sir Walter asked me for my help, and I made him see there's nothing I can do. I am so sorry. You said no. Please, Mary. Sir Richard, your accomplishments during the war... Were entirely different. This sort of business... I'm not quick-witted. I'm a slow, patient sort of fellow. This job has to be done against time. I'd be bungling along, getting in the way of the real experts. Believe me, it's for the hostages' own sake. I will not dispute your decision. But I confess I'm sorely disappointed. You were my last hope, sir. My last hope. S sit down, Sir Arthur. Yes, thank you. I'm truly sorry. You see... You see, I've nothing left in the world but my son. If Davy had died, I think I could have borne it. But to know nothing, to imagine terrible things being done to him. Sir Arthur, tell us about Davy. What's he like? So gentle. He was such a gentle, quiet boy. And he told us about his son, about his love of nature and wild things, his quiet courtesy and his thoughtfulness, their walks together, and the long, deep conversations they both loved. And I began to think that the little chap was just exactly the kind of boy I wanted my own son to be, and that if I were in his father's place, I should certainly go mad. I was amazed at the old man's courage. Where is he? What are they doing to him? Oh, God! Oh, God! And that fairly finished me. I think Mary's arms were round the old man, but I didn't see anything clearly. She must have helped him out to his car, but I only realised it when she came back in and found me standing by an open window. The night was cold, but I was suffocating. Hell and damnation! Why the devil can't I be left alone? I don't ask for much, just a little peace and quiet. Why in God's name should I be dragged into other people's business? Why me? What do they think I can do? You're going to help, of course. Of course.
I knew I'd find you out here. Well, there was no point in coming to bed. I wouldn't have slept. Sorry I woke you. You didn't. What's that? Walter Bullivant left it. A message from the kidnappers. A ransom note? No, nothing so straightforward. It's a clue to where they're being held. What sort of clue? A damned stupid one. Here. Seek where under midnight sun, laggard crops are hardly won. Where the sower casts his seed in furrows of the fields of Eden. Where beside the sacred tree spins the seer who cannot see. I can't make hide nor hair of it. But there's something about it. Something I just can't put my finger on. The sacred tree. That's Norse legend, isn't it? Yggdrasil, the world ash tree, where the three Norns wove the rope of destiny. Yes, but I don't think any of them was blind. Who on earth is the sower in the fields of Eden? Under the midnight sun could be in Iceland, I suppose, or Greenland, or Labrador. Or Norway. Well, I suppose so. It is Norway, Dick. I'm sure of it. How can you possibly say that? Because I know what it is that's scratching at your mind. You've heard these things before, or some of them at least, and recently too. Look, I don't mean to be rude, but I, I do have to be off on the old round. This won't take long, Tom, and it's important. Oh, not someone else, not the boy. No, 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 nothing like that. Listen, when you had dinner with us the other day... Oh, I expect I, I went on a bit, did I? Well, usually do. State of the world and all that. You showed me how a detective story was written. Take a series of unconnected facts and bring them together, you remember? Yes. What about it? Well, you used three examples. A blind old woman spinning in the Western Highlands, yeah. a crop barn in Norway, and a curiosity shop in North London. Kept by a Jew with a dyed beard, so... So I need to know why you chose those particular three things. Well, I, I just pulled them out of the air. No, I don't think so. Look at this. Where did you get this? That's not important. What matters is that two of your facts are in that poem. Spins the seer who cannot see. That's your old blind woman. And laggard crops under midnight sun. A crop barn in Norway. Well, coincidence. I don't hold with coincidences. I think you heard that list of facts somewhere, and your brain dredged them up when you needed them. Your... Uh, what's the word for it? Well, subconscious mind. Yeah, that's it. And you want to know when I heard them? Mm. Well, why, for God's sake? I'm sorry, I can't tell you that. But it's important, Tom. Well, I'll try, of course. But I'm warning you, I haven't the ghost of a hope. Your thoughts are not your own. You will know only what I tell you to know. You will remember only what I tell you to remember. You will be only what I permit you to be. You will obey me at all times and in all things. I'll catch the train down to London tomorrow. 
come to the office at two. We'll go through the background material on the gang. It mm -hmm. might give you a lead on the hostages. Well, even though it hasn't helped your people? I keep telling you, you've a different sort of insight. Well, let's hope so. I know it. Now, Dick. Walter. I'm damn glad you changed your mind. Good man. Yes. Tom's here. He wants to see you. Thanks. Cheers. Sanja. Mm. Well? What luck? Well, I've been letting my mind wander all day. If you're right about those things being in my subconscious, then thinking about them is the last way to bring them to light. Oh, don't try to baffle me with science, Tom. I'm not up to it. No, take my word for it, old man. Memories are funny things. They can be buried so deep you don't know they're there. Then a noise or a smell or a touch, the tiniest thing, can bring them right back to life again. Oh, for heaven's sake, Tom, have you remembered or haven't you? It was last December. So you have got it? Last December. I was staying at the Bull at Hannam, been shooting wildfowl on the sea marshes. A car broke down outside and the chap and his chauffeur had to stay the night. The strange thing was, I knew the man. Anyway... I'm as certain as I'm alive that it was he who came out with those three facts. But how did they come up? What were you talking about? I'm damned if I can remember. I'm a sport mostly, I think. Shooting, fishing, that sort of thing. If we covered anything else, I've completely forgotten about well, it. It doesn't matter. At least it's a step forward. I can get hold of this chap and see where he got the facts from. Well, suppose he just dredged them up from some half-forgotten chat, same as me. Well, that's just a risk I'll have to run. Now, tell me the fellow's name. I bet you never knew I moved in such exalted circles. What the devil do you mean? It was Dominic Medina. Who on earth is Dominic Medina? And despite the reasoned and civilised arguments advanced by my honourable friends opposite... I tell this house that the future is plain to see. There is a mighty Tory revival in sight. Yes, a mighty Tory revival. And it will be the women of this country who will bring it about. I wholeheartedly commend this bill to the House. My husband likes to play the rustic. You must have heard of him, Dick. And that's what I said. Well, perhaps I vaguely remember the name. Who is he? He's an MP, you old savage. An MP? He's also the best shot in England, they say. And the handsomest man. Women swoon. My aunts in London rave about him. How on earth do they know him? He gave a talk to their literary circle. He's quite the writer. Medina. Medina. What is he, some sort of a dagger? I think his family was Spanish originally. Uh, but his people lived in Ireland. Oh, or did, until life there became impossible. That's all by the by. If you really think he can help you, I'll give you a note of introduction. Thanks, Tom. Is he a decent sort of fellow? Well, I think so. He's certainly quite brilliant. Brilliant, talented and handsome. I'll probably hate him on sight. No, 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 he won't. You'll fall under his spell, just like everybody else. <laughs> Sir Richard. This is delightful. I've wanted to meet you for years. Mr. Medina, we've got a table to ourselves by the fire. I hope you're hungry. How was it? 
I don't think I've ever had a better meal. Capital. How's the burgundy? Oh, excellent. You should try it. Oh, water's fine for me. Oh. Mm. Carry on about this new rifle. Oh, the 240 bore. Mm. Light as a feather, but it'll stop anything in its tracks. Oh, you've used one. It's on a Scotch stag. Wish I'd had it in the old days on the Pungwe. Ah, yes, the old days. We've all had them and we're all sick to get back to them. Sometimes I'm tempted to kick over the traces and be off to the wilds again. You must feel the same. Oh, not me. No? You never regret that the beastly old war is over? No, oh, I've settled down now. I'm positive the Almighty meant me for a farmer. Oh. <laughs> I wish I knew what he meant me for. Right now it looks like some sort of politician. You? You're the fellow with 20 talents. Well, now, the only thing I'm any good at is fighting, and I'm done with that. I plan to live out my days as a contented country squire. Not you. You won't vegetate. I haven't the ambition of a maggot. <laughs> I believe that's nonsense. You think I don't know my own mind? Well, let me look at you. Hmm. Well, what can you see? I can see that you work like a beaver. Your loyalty is not the kind that cracks. And you'll be caught up in something important again sooner or later. You're no rustic farmer. Dick Annie! Sandy! <laughs> By all that's wonderful! I thought you were in Mesopotamia, or was it similar? It was both, and a few more besides. <laughs> Still wandering, eh? Oh, not me, old man. I'm home for good. Well, for a time, at least. <laughs> I'd not set eyes on Sandy Arbuthnot since 1916. He'd been a top intelligence officer in the war, and we'd gone through some interesting scrapes together. And now, here he was, just when I needed him the most. What are you doing in the metropolis, Dick? I thought you were safely ensconced deep in the sticks, lord of all you survey. I was, and I still am. Listen, Sandy, I'm late for an appointment. Oh, not to worry. Uh, are you staying at the club? For a while, yes. Then I'll catch you there tonight and we'll talk properly. Hmm? What do you say? That would be good. <laughs> Very good. Well, what do you think? I take my hat off to your people, Walter. Digging out some of this information, well, it must have taken months. Years, in some cases. Well, you're convinced now, I take it? That, that this organization exists? Oh, no doubt about it. Hmm. Well, I dare say some of the names on that list raised your eyebrows, eh? Well, I've met some of them. Eaten with them. Of course you have. Decent, respectable chaps, one and all, at least so far as the world knows. And perhaps they were once. What's more, that list is far from complete. We know that much. But you've no idea who's the top man. None. Nope. It could be one of those names or someone else entirely. Damn it, it could be just about anybody. And your swoop on the gang? is set for late June. They've not the haziest notion that we're onto them. Late June. Doesn't give me long. What will your campaign be? Any ideas yet? Some of these names have to be near the top of the organization. They'll know what's happening with the hostages. If I can get in with them, maybe someone will let something slip. I... Walter, it all sounds horribly unlikely. I'd planned to tell Sir Walter about Tom Greenslade and Medina and the links with the poem, 
but after the hugely detailed and professional evidence he'd shown me, it seemed appallingly thin. I didn't want to start off in the job by making a complete fool of myself. There was no false modesty in what I'd said, much as I hated to admit it. So far as I could see, I didn't have a chance in hell. Tell Tom he was spot on. Medina's charming. We got on famously. Did you ask him about the things in the poem? No, not yet. I want to get the measure of him first. We're having dinner on Thursday. If it seems right, I'll ask him then. Oh, guess who else I ran into? Since the armistice, I've been wandering around here and there, busying myself with this and that, you know. Nothing worth the talking about. What will you do now you're back here? Oh, I've nothing particular on at the moment. But I shan't be settling down in the country. That's not for me. I'm surprised it suits you. Well, I'm middle-aged, Sandy. Soon I'll be stiff in the joints. <laughs> I'm not looking for any more excitement. It's a queer thing how people like us get a sudden passion for coziness. But I don't think you're telling me the truth, old man. What do you mean? If you're nothing but a country farmer, what were you doing prowling round Whitehall with a face like grim death? I'd trusted Sandy with my life a dozen times over. I told him the whole story, and he listened in silence. At the end, very lamely and shyly, I explained about the rhyming clue and how Tom Greenslade had finally remembered his conversation with Medina. Medina? Have you met him? Mm, we had luncheon. I'm seeing him again on Thursday. Do you know him? Only by reputation. I've wanted to meet him for some little time now. We all like him tremendously. Uh, so everyone says. I've had a few old friends fall under his spell. You seem to have gone the same way. <laughs> Watch yourself there, Dick. <laughs> I do believe you're jealous of the man. <laughs> you could be right. I'll not deny it. And that for yourself, Captain. Thank you, Mr. Medina, sir. Have a good evening. You were even here before, Hannah? Uh, no. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Have you ever come across the Thursday Club? I can't say I have. Oh, I'm not surprised. We don't shout about it. Come on in. You're bound to know some of the fellows. The Thursday Club turned out to have been started after the war by some of the people who'd had queer jobs and wanted to keep in touch. It was very small and extremely select. There was Pallister Yates, the banker, who only looked about 30, Fully Love, the Arabian traveller, Nightingale, who'd gone back to Cambridge after captaining a Bedouin tribe, and various others of the same sort. I think there must have been more solid brains in that room than you'd find in an average parliament. There's one more to come, then we can eat. He doesn't get here often. I haven't met him yet, and I'm rather looking forward to it. Oh. <laughs> I assume that's him. Good Lord! You know him, Sir Richard? I do, but I didn't know he was one of your members. Uh, over here! Dominic Medina, allow me to present my old friend, Colonel Sandy Arbuthnot. So... Colonel Arbuthnot, I'm pleased to have run into you at last. You've been travelling, I hear. Just here and there. Oh, now, come along. You can't get away with that sort of vagueness here. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Turkey for a time. The Near East. What's the climate out there? It's a damned muddle, and it's us to thank. Oh? Our new manners in foreign policy. 
The old English way was to regard all foreigners as slightly childish and rather idiotic. We were the only grown-ups in the kindergarten world. Damn right, too. And now? Now we've got into the nursery ourselves. We're fighting on the floor along with everybody else. We pick sides. We make friends. And if you make friends... You make enemies, too. Exactly. It's all wrong. The country's becoming balkanized. Sure you won't try this Madeira, Dominic? Quite sure, thank you, Frank. I'll stick to the water. You're missing a lot of pleasure, you know. Ah, but sit vini abstemius qui hemeniuma tentat ord hominum petit dominatum. It was over my head, and over some of the others, too, I think. But I noticed Sandy's eyes suddenly light up. If you desire knowledge and power over men... Stick to boring old water. <laughs> right, <sir. laughs> There's a lot of sense in that. Oh, there is. Oh, I thought it was just an old joke. I don't happen to like the stuff, that's all. If I'd realised going teetotal was good for my career, I'd have given up years earlier. <laughs> I'm being serious. There are places in the world where total abstinence is reckoned a privilege. Medina... You know the Ulai tribe up the Karakoram way? Actually, no. Really? You surprise me. Well, anyway, they're a drunken lot of sweeps, but their priests are strictly teetotal. That's their power. You sure you've never come across them? I'm afraid not. I thought you were a traveller. I've done my share. You know the frontier? Very well. Did you ever come across the guru who lived at the foot of the Shansi Pass? Can't say I did. Why? No reason. Just thought you might have met him. Being a traveller. Dick. Dick, come here. What do you want? Come back to the club with me. I want to talk to you. Can't. I promised to walk back with Medina. Damn Medina! Do as I say, or you'll be sorry for it. All ready, Sir Richard? Yeah. Whenever you like. I tell you, you'll be sorry for it. <laughs> oh. Oh, I think the Madeira must have touched up his liver. Mm. <laughs> Come on. Won't you come in? The night's young. Come and have a pipe. I will. Thanks. Big house for a bachelor. I have a lot of stuff. Books, pictures and things. I like it all around me. You read, do you? As much as I can. Then if you don't mind a bit of a climb, I'll show off my library, if that's not being immodest. Oh, I'd like that. It's the whole of the top floor. Really? I think you're entitled to be proud of it. It is quite a decent collection. I've seen libraries that were bought in by the yard and nothing ever left the shelves. <laughs> this is wonderful. There's something about well-used books. Oh, these are well-used, all right. Look, take a seat and I'll sort out some drinks. Do you mind some music? Not at all. Oh, good man. Yes, that chair's the best. Help yourself. Thanks. And while Medina made me a whiskey and soda, I sank down into an armchair as well-worn as any of the books and as comfortable and comforting. I'd found a man after my own heart.
Richard. Sir Richard. <laughs> Good morning, sir. <clears throat> what? I've brought your tea, sir, and your bath's ready. <sighs> Jenkins? That's me, sir. <sighs> what time did I get back here? The night porter let you in about three o'clock this morning, sir. I beg pardon, but are you feeling all right? Oh, I feel like nothing on earth. Good night last night, sir. It was, but I don't think that's the problem. Oh, my God. Might I suggest the hair of the dog? Oh, wouldn't do any good, I'm afraid. I think I've picked up some infernal germ. Oh. Do you think it's the malaria again? Could be. My head was on fire when I woke up. How are you feeling now? A bit more like myself. Thank goodness. Will you see someone? Yeah, I'm going to ring Dr. Newhover. Who? Dr. Newhover. Wimpole Street, isn't he? Yes, Wimpole Street. I've never heard you mention him before. No. No, I, I don't know him. But his name came up last night. Sandy recommended him. Neurosis. I beg your pardon? A frequent enough complaint that you are suffering from a somewhat abnormal form. Delayed onset. The results of a nervous strain may take a long time to develop. Yes, in some cases. I've never heard of that. It's uncommon, as I say, but perfectly well documented. Weakness in the legs, severe headache, pain behind the eyeballs. A difficulty in organising your thoughts? Yes. You have a congestion in the nerve centres of the neck and the head. Are you fond of sport? Fishing, perhaps? I like to fish, yes. Well, a little later I may prescribe a salmon river I know in Norway. A complete change of scene can be very beneficial. For now, I suggest something a little closer to home. He gave me the address of a woman in Gospel Oak. Madame Breda, Palmyra Square... Northwest. A Swedish expert in muscular and nervous abnormalities, he said. I must have raised my eyebrows at the address. Yes, it's an outlandish place to get to, but most taxi drivers know it. A medical skill isn't confined to the area behind Oxford Street, you know. He telephoned and fixed me up an appointment, refused any payment until he'd seen me again, and we parted. He had a hand as cold as a snake. Madame Breda couldn't see me until that evening. I was feeling a touch better, and I'd been short of exercise, so I decided to walk to Gospel Oak. I enjoyed it, too, even though I was reminded once again that London is like the tropical bush. If you don't take constant care, the jungle of the slums will break in and eventually take over. The further north I went, the denser the jungle became. Palmyra Square turned out to be the picture of shabby gentility, on the very brink of squalor. Sir Richard Hanney to see Madame Breda. I have an appointment. Seven o'clock. Dr. Newhover telephoned. Look, is Madame Breda here? Sir Richard Honey? Yes. Oh, thank you, Gerta. Wait for me in the treatment room. Please. 
Come in, Sir Richard, do. Thank you. I'm very sorry, Sir Richard. My lady is ill and I have no one else. Uh, Gertha helps me, but she does not usually admit my visitors. Is she a mute? Oh, no, no, but uh, she has no English and is very shy. She is your assistant? My assistant, yes. So clever, too, for one so very young, uh, but shy. Now, please, uh, won't you step through here? Good. You are comfortable? Perfectly. You have a headache? Not quite as bad as this morning. But still there. And other troubles too, says the doctor. Yes. Hmm. Well, I must explore. But first, I will take away the pain. Please lie still and relax. Just relax. I lay there, breathing in the aromas of the treatment room, listening to the ticking of the clock, hearing the slow shuffle of the odd little girl, feeling the delicate, precise pressure of Madame's hands. Very good, Sir Richard. Sir Richard. Hmm? Sorry. Drifted away for a moment there. It was good that you did so. Sleep reveals where the ragged ends of the nerves lie. I will report what I found to Dr. Newhover. Now, do not be worried, for all shall be well. Lord! When I looked at my watch, I was amazed. It was just coming up to ten o'clock. I'd been in that house for the best part of three hours. By good luck, I found a taxi and drove back to the club. Sandy! What? Where on earth have you been, Dick? Never mind that. What the devil got into you at the dinner last night? You were damnably rude to Medina. I just didn't take to him, that's all. There's something strange there. <laughs> You're pretty much alone in that opinion. Well, that doesn't make me wrong. Oh, for heaven's sake, Sandy. All right, I won't mention the man again. How's that? Fine with me. Good. So where have you been? Getting myself looked over. I went to Dr. Newhover's. Who? Oh, come on. It was you recommended the man. I did nothing of the sort. <sighs> I'm too tired for this game, whatever the hell it is. It's no game. Have it your own way. I don't much care. I'm off to bed. If you come to your senses by then, we'll talk tomorrow. We won't. Whatever you like. Because I'm away first thing in the morning. Business. What business? You said you'd nothing on. Well, I was wrong. I don't know what's got into you. I really don't. Will you tell me one thing? Perhaps. Depends what it is. This job of yours. The hostages. How many people have you told about it? Precious few. Why? I'll make sure you keep it that way. If you know what's good for you. Good night. You have no past. You have no future. You have no life 
but the life I now give you. You will say nothing. You will do nothing. You will think nothing unless I order it. Do you understand me? Do you understand me? So you're really feeling better? Yes. Yes, I am. Oh, good. She knows her stuff, then, your Madame... What was it? Breda. Yes, I suppose she does. You're not sure? Well, there was something not quite right about that whole episode. The doctor, too. I thought you said Sandy recommended him. Yes, he did. Dick? No, it's nothing. Sandy's having some sort of brainstorm at the moment, anyway. God only knows what's got into him. Well, the important thing is you're better. So, how's it going? Well, I'm seeing Walter Bullivant again this afternoon. I've picked out a couple of the gang members to try and get in with. He's sorting out some contacts for me. Ah, you'll find everything you need in there. Letters of introduction, invitations, addresses, the lot. Thanks. I only hope your plan comes off. You'll have your work cut out for you trying to get these fellas to let anything slip. Yes, but it's all I've got. Well, almost all. Hmm? You've turned up something else? Maybe. But if you don't mind, I'd like to play things close to my chest for the present. I told you I'd trust your judgment. You don't have to convince me of the value of secrets. I didn't like the way my suspicions were heading, but I had to find out what was going on, and I didn't trust myself to look into it. I'd managed to convince Mary that I was feeling fine, but to tell the truth, my head was still crammed full of fog. What I needed was a bit of a distraction. Well, old man, what do you think? I think there are better places to spend an evening. <laughs> you said you wanted to be taken out of yourself. This is the ideal spot. What? I'd run into Archie Roylance in a pothouse. He'd been lame as a duck since his flying accident just before the armistice, but it was typical of the man that he'd dragged me off to a dance club. He was just the tonic I needed, but I wasn't so sure about his choice of entertainment. A band done up like monkeys in uniform, thumped out tuneless rubbish, while sad-faced marionettes cavorted round the floor. Come on, Dick, cheer up! Don't you like it? Look at them, Archie. Who? Them! They all look bored out of their minds. I thought dancing was supposed to be fun. It's the style, old man. Dead eyes and masks for faces. Come on, let's go somewhere else. Not yet. Look at her. Who? The girl in green. She can't cheer you up. Nothing can. Where? Wake up, Dick. There. You see her? I see her. Now that's a real dancer. Look at the way she moves. He was right. She was a delight to watch, or would have been, if she hadn't looked every bit as blank-faced as the rest of them. Pity she's with someone, eh? Looks a bit of a thug, too. Sorry, Archie. I can't stand any more of this. Let's get out of here. I left young Archie to go off and deafen himself in some other godforsaken establishment and went back to my room at the club. 
Time was ticking away. I had some serious work to do if I was going to win the confidence of any of the gang. Just a moment. Come. Beg pardon, Sir Richard. A note for you, sir. Just delivered and marked urgent. Are they waiting for a reply? No, sir. All right. Thank you. Sir. Ah. It was from Medina, inviting me round the next day for a private dinner. Ah,、oh, Hanne, glad you could come. Only too pleased. We'll be eating at eight. Take a seat. Thanks, Sherry. Well, won't say no. For tea, totally. You keep a damn fine cellar. <laughs> glad you think so. I see our Bathnot's gone abroad. Yes. Do you know him well? Yeah. Thanks. I thought so, but I I haven't seen him for years. What did you make of him? Rather too un-English on his showing the other night. Yes, I know what you mean.、Mm. I wish you could have known him in the old days.、Mm. The old days again. <laughs> so he's changed, has he? Yes, you could say that. Look, Medina, there's something I want to talk to you about. Something serious, by the sound of it. Very. Just a second, then. Ah, that's better. Right. Let me have it.、Oh, damn, hang on. Yes. She's ready for you, sir. Tell her we're coming at once, sir. I thought this was a private dinner. So it is. Come with me. There's a good chap. Hanne, allow me to present to you my mother. Good evening, Sir Richard. The woman in the room sat on her high-backed chair as if it were a throne. The firelight lit her face, and that face took away my breath. Madam, a pleasure. I've always been an admirer of the beauty of old age, especially in women, but this was a beauty beyond anything I could have imagined. And the eyes, the eyes. Were astonishing. You are a friend of Dominic. I am. I am glad to meet you. Will you come close to me so I can know how you look? Of course. Thank you. Please remain quite still. Her hands, those hands so impossibly delicate and shapely, were suddenly on my face. Her fingers tracing its contours. The woman. Was blind. <gasps> Dear God! Did I hurt you? No, N- no, not not at all. It's just, <sighs> forgive me. I didn't realize. You have my forgiveness. And now that we know each other, Sir Richard Hannay, I give you the command. I hear the command. You have learned your lessons well. I have. Turn, and face your teacher. I obey. What are your orders? Get 
down on your knees. Crawl before me. I obey. Crawl before your master. In The Three Hostages, dramatized by Bert Cools from the novel by John Buchan, Sir Richard Hannay was played by David Robb, Sir Walter Bullivant by Clive Merrison, Lady Mary Hannay, Hayden Gwynn, Dominic Medina, Michael Maloney, Dr. Tom Greenslade, Struan Roger, Colonel Sandy Arbuthnot, Christian Rodska, Mrs. Medina and Madame Breda, Suad Fares, General Warcliffe, and Dr. Newhover, Gordon Reed, Archie Roylance and Odell, Ben Crow. Other parts were played by members of the cast. The director was Bruce Young. <laughs>